Welcome to the top three podcasts for entrepreneurs, your place to get the very best tips, tricks, and tactics from today's most successful entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Stephanie Burns, founder of Chic CEO. Welcome everybody to the top three podcast for entrepreneurs. I'm Stephanie Burns, founder of Chic CEO, and today I have with me Manish Seti. Manish is one of my very dear friends. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's written four books. He's a DJ, and he lives his life traveling the world and hacking the system. In 2008, while studying at Stanford University, he decided to take a little trip abroad, and a little trip lasted five years. He's lived in Italy, Spain, Argentina, Brazil, India, Mexico, Colombia, Germany, Sweden, and many, many more countries and since then he's made his life goal to show others that there's another way to experience the world currently he's working on a project called Pavlock which we'll talk about in a second I'm really excited to have Manish today hi Manish how are you hi Stephanie good to talk to you likewise so tell us a little bit about you give us a little bit of back background on your story and how you got to uh, creating Pavlock Sure. So like you mentioned, um, while I was in school, I started traveling and traveling was amazing because it allowed me to experience the world in a way that I you know, always wanted to. And it allowed me to learn new languages and, and, and experience other cultures. But one thing it didn't allow me to do was focus. And I noticed that uh, the more I traveled, the more I, uh, the more I wanted to do these things that were very easy. My, my, my like measure of success as a blogger during this five-year period was, did I post two times a week? And I think I can probably count the number of times that I succeeded on one hand where I was able to blog two times a week. And um, part of it was because traveling with so many new um, stimuli in each new city just offers very little ability for you to have a routine. So along the way, um, I realized that this was a problem and that I had to be able to get things done. So I did this experiment um, on my website where I, I basically would test different ways to get myself to finish activities. And in one experiment, I uh, hired a girl off Craigslist and her job was to sit down next to me and every time I used Facebook, she would slap me in the face. <laughs> and yeah, and I, uh, I posted this online. I remember I was in Buenos Aires flying to New York City when I posted it. Um, it was a night flight. So I, I get to the airport in the morning and I check my phone and there's like 43 missed calls and like a bunch of voicemails and suddenly my phone rings and it was Ollie from NPR and he's like, hi, is this Manish, the guy who hired somebody to slap him in the face? I'm like, yeah, what do you need, dude? Uh, and it turns out that like that article went viral and people really resonated with that idea of hiring somebody to slap them in the face when they use Facebook. Not because, like, I, I, think, I feel like the reason that people were resonating with it was because everyone understands that there's so many bad habits and so many distractions that suck us in these days. Mm -hmm. So. What I found was that having somebody watch me, having an accountability partner, and having that potential for pain, uh, potential fear, would motivate me to increase my productivity. In fact, it did from 28% to 98%. So what that means is 98% of my time when she was with me was spent in productive apps like Microsoft Word rather than on Facebook. And I was thinking about this a little bit, and I called up a friend of mine who's a pretty smart engineer, and I said, hey, man. You know, if that went viral, I bet we could make something really viral. Let's make a video of, uh, let's make a dog shock collar that shocks me every time I use Facebook. And my friend looked at me and he said, let's go to Radio Shack. <laughs> and so we did, we made this video and we were about to post online. And um, about right before I hit the submit button, I thought to myself, this is actually really interesting. You know, we have hundreds and hundreds of wearable devices that track every step that we do. But we have almost nothing that changes what we do. So I got 
I decided uh, to build Pavlock, which is uh, my new wearable device. It comes out um, in September. And uh, uh, basically, it's designed around not tracking, but changing. And it uses um, really proven habit formation techniques and behavioral techniques that we'll be talking about today, not limited to vibration, sound, and uh, electric shock in order to help you change your habits, form good habits, and break bad ones. I love this. I think this is such an interesting business model. And you and I have been friends for a while, so I've been kind of watching you through this, and it's been quite a wild ride for you. Yeah. Um, so we'll dig into that in a minute, but I want to ask you, we got a little background on you. Tell us a surprising secret about you just so we can get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Um Let's see. One of my favorites is that I was once involved in an elephant police chase in <laughs> India. <laughs> tell, us, tell us about that. Yeah. Oh, it's like I remember I was um, down in, in Udaipur. I used to live in Udaipur, India for about a year. Uh, and there was uh, there's like these temple elephants that go through the streets. And one day I wanted to take a ride on one. So I, I called to the, the rider of the elephant. And I said, hey, do you mind if I take a ride? He said, you know, pay me this money. I said, okay. And so I jumped on the, the elephant and um, we are going down the street. And apparently it's illegal to give tourist rides on elephants to people in the old city, which is where we were. And if, you, if you're looking at the old city, it's like um, there's a street and then there's a wall and then there's a lake. And... The elephants are riding around us, and suddenly a police officer sees us and starts whistling. And the the taxi driver, so you must jump off the elephant. And I look at him and I'm like, "What do you mean, jump off an elephant? How do you jump off an elephant?" <laughs> and so he pull, he pulls me up next to the wall, and I have to jump from a moving elephant onto this wall. And then I just ended up just jumping on the other side of the wall and going down and and getting away from the police officer on the butt on the on the bridge and I was like never once in America have I been in an elephant police chase <laughs> but this time I successfully navigated myself away <laughs> that's amazing I think that's one of the first stories you ever told me that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something I would do <laughs> <laughs> so funny so funny so tell us a quote a success quote that you kind of live by and that you drive your business by uh, something that really resonates with you that you can share with us Sure. Uh, the one I've been using more and more, and realistically, I, I really think it's really powerful, is um, an Aristotle quote, which is, we are what we repeatedly do. Therefore, uh, excellence thus is not an act, but a habit. And, I mean, we've all heard this quote, but no one really knows what what's what a habit is. Or no one really, like, most people don't think about excellence as a habit. Most people don't think about how much time they spend in their habit mentality throughout the day and most people don't realize how when we are at, when we are acting well so 40% of our day is spent in a completely automated automatic habit mode and when we're in this automatic automated habit mode we are literally an animal we are doing exactly what an animal would do we're doing what a monkey a chimp a dog a panda would do which is we see a stimuli and we automatically respond to it with no cognitive thought or cognitive processing so when I realized how important habits were this quote really resonated with me because there is uh, there's another quote by Peter Drucker, and I don't exactly remember the words about it, but he talks about he, he talks about how when um, when there's a type of person who tends to push really hard, and there's a type of person who tends to relax and, and do nothing. In ten years' time, the person who tried to push really hard will be a resounding success, and the type of person who relaxes will tend to do nothing. 
But the difference is that neither one of those two people expended any more willpower than the other. The same thing, all they've done is had the habit of trying, whereas the other person had the habit of playing video games or watching TV. But over time, that becomes exponential. And I find that to be really, really powerful because if, if we want to start massively overshifting and transforming our lives, it literally starts with just making the smallest, tiniest habits and adding them to our already existing daily routines. Wow, that's really interesting. I've never heard that before. 40%. Mm-hmm. 40% of our time. Yeah, and I, I have the studies to show that. Um, wow. 40% of our time is spent automatic. And, and here, here's what automatic mode means if, if you're not familiar or you don't understand exactly. Um, can you like think about the last time you were in a shower and um, you almost always start thinking about other stuff when you're in the shower, right? Or when you're washing dishes. Mm-hmm. And habits are based on a trigger that co- uh, a trigger that delineates an action that's about to occur. So when you start to get into the shower or when you turn on the water to wash the dishes, that water or that shower is the trigger. And instantaneously, your mind says, oh, I know what this is. I've done this before. Therefore, I can think about whatever I want because my habit that just formed in the basal ganglia in the back part of your brain, which almost is identical to an ape or a monkey uh, basal ganglia, I, I've stored the, like, I stored the procedural code in that location in the brain. So now my prefrontal cortex is free to think about whatever I want, like how to improve my business or why my you know, boyfriend or girlfriend is is not happy with me right now. Um, and the amount of time that we spend, like any time of your day when you that you're not thinking about the thing that you're doing, that is when you're in a habit mode. And that's a lot when we're driving, when you just accidentally drive home, when you're trying to go to the store or something like that from work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, um, I, I had to go take a train yesterday to uh, to Cambridge, but I almost, I was, I'm in Boston, and I had to go take a train on the red line north, but I almost always take the orange line, and so I just walked out and found myself at the orange line station. And you'll find these words are consistently said. I didn't go there. I just found myself there. I didn't try to go to Facebook. I didn't try to go to the liquor store. I just found myself at the liquor store. Because when a habit is is occurring, you don't actively try to do anything. You just show up. Wow. So today, we're yeah, we're going to talk about the top three tips to change habits and behavior. So the, the first one you say is how to do daily actions, which I assume is about, kind of leads into what we were just talking about. So tell us what you mean by that. Sure. So... Uh, so, well, let's talk about let's let's break down a habit first of all into a couple parts. So, habits are something that you repeatedly do for a multiple a number of days at a time until it becomes completely automated in your brain. But you have to get yourself to do that action the first time, and that's a behavior change tactic. And it's how do we break down a act into something that we do, something that we want to do, we actually do. And then how the second question is how do we do that enough times in a row using the proper steps in order to make that a habit in the brain. So if we break down uh, behavior from the first model, I'd highly recommend everybody online check out uh, BJ Fogg's behavior model and his behavior grid. I'm going to um, just quickly pull up the URL so you can see this. Uh, it, I guess you can't see it, but um, if you go to behaviorgrid.org and you uh, scroll, well, I'll send you a link in the so you can share it. Um, but basically, the behavior grid and the behavior model is focused on how do you make a change one time? The web the URL is behaviormodel.org, behaviormodel.org. Okay. Um, so what he does in this model is he has two axes. The first, uh, the up and down axis is motivation and the left and right axis is ability. 
And he says that in action, if you want something to change, it requires that the ability be very easy to do and that the motivation be high. So you can think of a day that you're really motivated to go to the gym. It's really, you're really ready. It's January 1st and you're very excited to go to the gym, but you don't own gym clothes or you don't own gym shoes or you don't have a gym membership. And suddenly that activity, no matter how motivated you are, it's really hard to do it. On the other hand, even if it's something super easy to do, like I'm going to start putting on um, my shoes right to left instead of left to right, it could be very easy to do, but you're, you're almost you're absolutely not motivated to do that. So there's no reason that you would. So the uh, in, in both of these cases, the uh, the action never achieves what's called the activation threshold, which is it never actually reaches the level that it should to actually make that action occur. So what that means is. If you look at a single, a singular behavior, you have to do two things in order to make that behavior change, and that's increase the motivation and make the action easier to do. I've been focusing on this hardcore with Pavlock. Um, it's all about both of these tasks. How do we increase motivation and how do we make an action easier to do? So motivation is, uh, is, is an interesting one because motivation wanes, it waxes and whatever the other word is for, wow, waxes and wanes, uh, for moon. and. Uh, and motivation, but motivation can be, uh, I found two particular triggers that you can use to increase motivation. And one of those is accountability. That means having people around you, having people who are keeping you, uh, are holding you accountable, keeping you to stick to your activities, social proof, social, uh, you know, social interaction. You can use Facebook or Twitter for the same things. Uh, and then the second is what I call, um, I call the bet switch mechanism. But it's adding an, adding a disincentive, adding a negative reinforcement in order to make that motivation increase. Um, to be honest, Stephanie, I believe that this works better for men than for women, but, uh, that's totally, I mean, I don't want to get sued by your staff <laughs> for saying that, but just from my experience, I found that women tend to be much more motivated by, um, by social interaction okay. and accountability and, uh, positive reinforcement can be motivational for them as well. So I'll come back to talking about reinforcement in a while, but to improve ability, now this one is something that is really, 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 really powerful and people never think of, which is breaking down an action into the smallest possible part. BJ Fogg calls it tiny habits, I call it micro habits. People have these genuinely large ideas of what changing behavior is and that they should be able to push through with their willpower. I'm going to start going to the gym and I'm going to do it and this is going to be the year that I lose 30 pounds. No, it's not because that's such a really difficult action to do no matter how motivated you are. But what about the action of after I wash my dishes without sitting down, I will walk outside of my house in my gym clothes and lock my door. Mm. So easy, you cannot fail. I will walk outside in my gym clothes and lock my door without sitting down. Now, of course, you have to be motivated here. Even if this action is really easy to do, how do you get them to be motivated? This is where I add in accountability and bets. If I don't walk outside in my gym clothes and lock the door, I will have to pay a $100 penalty. That ups the motivation. It's so, but it's the combination where it's so easy to do that it would be like, it's, it's not a problem. You know, it takes less than 30 seconds, but the motivation is there that it's so stupid if you failed that you'll end up just doing it out of just like sheer, okay, I'll just do this. And the first day you'll go outside, lock your door, unlock your door, walk back in and go eat a burrito for breakfast. I don't know why you're eating burritos for breakfast, Stephanie, but I guess I would too if I was in San Diego. I completely understand. Right. <laughs> uh, um, 
But what I'm saying is we broke this action down now into something very, very easy to do and something that makes it that uh, has high motivation. Accountability here is really good too, where you'll say like, uh, I've been testing these out with Facebook message is. So we'll have three to four people in a, in a group and each day we have to report what we did. Um, and so that adds an accountability layer. You can also use, uh, so with Pavlock, you can use GPS. So you might say, I will go to the gym and step inside and check in on Pavlock. Therefore, now I have accountability because everybody knows all my accountability partners or maybe my Facebook friends. And the action was so easy to do. It's all about on the way to work. It's not about making a hard effort to find the right gym. Does that make sense what I'm kind of getting at here? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So making these small micro habits can change mm -hmm. your daily action. Yeah. And here's, here's the beauty of it. It's, it. it's so easy you can't fail. But after you do something for between 20 and 66 days, it requires more willpower for you to not do something than for you to do that, for you to do it. And this is, this is counterintuitive, but it's oh. weird. You would never think that you would get addicted to going outside in your gym clothes, locking your door, opening it, and coming back in. But if you go outside in your gym clothes and lock the door and come back in for 20, probably 20 days in a row, you will find that your brain will make you feel uneasy if you don't do that. You will feel guilty if you don't do that. And you will have to do it and your friends will look at you weird, but they won't be there and you'll because it's early in the morning and you'll be eating a burrito. Um, <laughs> but what I'm getting at is we can make ourselves do the biggest, weirdest, most impressive things in the world, but all we have to do is break it down and do that action for 20 to 66 days. I don't remember what book it was, was, but I remember, it, I think it was called Small Habits, about uh, a gentleman who decided he was going to do one push-up a day. And it was basically following this this type of, of thinking. And he didn't, I think it was New Year's, and he wanted to lose a bunch of weight, but he it was too large of a goal, so he just decided his only goal was going to be one push-up a day. And he has talked a lot about what you are just saying. It's so stupid that you can't not do it. You can't not fail. It's one push-up. But he also, you know, found himself doing 10, 20, 30 push-ups anyway. So it just it's a gateway into getting to where you really want to go, right? That's what you're saying? Mm -hmm. I have a model I can share with you. It's called I call it the Pavlock Microhabit model. And basically we say like it's like a step-by-step -step, uh, like, like a staircase model where you say at the, the top is my goal is to exercise for 30 minutes a day. You start off with at the bottom, I will go outside in my gym clothes and lock the door. Then the second step is I will go outside in my gym clothes and check in at the gym. Then I will I will stand at the gym for 10 minutes, but I don't have to work out. I don't have to sign up, nothing, just stand there. Then after that, I will sign up. I will work, at, work out for one minute. Then after that, I will work out for 15 minutes. Then after that, I will work out for 30 minutes. And that process may take a month or two or four or 10. But if you start off with this act of I will go outside and simply walk the door just for two weeks, you'll find that you naturally tend to do the rest. I mean, it's never hard to exercise once you're at the gym. The hard part is getting to the gym, right? Right, right. Right? So if you can trick yourself into getting there, and tricking yourself is what all of this is about. And people also don't like this, but it's true. I trick myself more than anybody in the world because I've been researching willpower and understanding how human brains work. Things like if you say, I don't want a cookie, I'm going to resist that cookie, your brain expends willpower. If you say, oh, I'm going to give in to that cookie, your brain expends willpower. It's the decision. But if you say, I want that cookie so I'll have it later, 
your brain expends no willpower. So I often, 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 my friends will be all weird about it, will trick myself into saying later, and I'll say it out loud. People will be like, hey, man, are you going to drink? And I'll say, yeah, I'll have some later. But I know part of my, somewhere in my brain, I know later is just going to say later again. I've gotten a habit of saying later. But I also know that my brain doesn't mind saying later and it doesn't use up any of my willpower reserves. So I tend to start using that later trick a lot. Um, if you, uh, once you start playing around with this, understanding that there's no real reason that you should ever go outside in just your gym clothes and then come back in and eat a burrito. Obviously, that's stupid, but it's a stepping stone on the way to becoming you know, the, the, the bodybuilder or powerlifter you want to become. Wow, that's so interesting. So now the second thing you say is you need to finish what you want to finish. So how do we do that? Yeah, so this is my newest superpower. And if you know me better than anybody, um, Stephanie, I think you'll know that I'm like really, really ADD and I never finish anything I start and my <laughs> life is just full of open loops. Um, <laughs> but recently I did an experiment which has now taken on its own little like life of its own and I can never quit because of my stupid – writing anyway here's what it does <laughs> so I was like talking to myself one night and I said uh, you know Manish first of all you're a little bit crazy that you talk to yourself but secondly Manish you're really motivated by these bets like just ridiculously motivated by these bets yeah uh, I often create bets for myself I call it the bet switch mechanism where if I need to get something done by a specific time I'll say like if I don't write a blog post by 9 p.m. I owe 50 bucks to somebody or something these bets are really, 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 really powerful. That's a whole different topic. But um, I know that they work for me for sure. And I said, you know what's interesting? I should make a bet each day. In fact, I'm going to make a bet to make bets each day. So what I'll do is if I don't schedule with my assistant by Sunday to make a bet each day, to make a bet each day, then I owe my assistant 50 bucks. And I'm like, shit, I just made a bet to make a bet to make a bet. But uh, <laughs> but realistically, what has happened is this. I have this rule now. So um, and I use uh, so basically, here's how it works. I have to input by 10:30 a.m. three things into Basecamp that I will do that day. If it's not in there by 10:30 a.m., my assistant will see this. I get charged 150 dollars. Wow. Once they're in there, if I finish two of them, at least by the end of the day. I will earn $50. If I don't finish at least two, I lose $100. So what has happened is I now at least have to put in three things I'm going to do by 10.30 a.m. And there's no way for me to cheat out of that because I will lose a lot of money if I don't. But also, it's really, really easy. And I can put anything I want. It could be like I will, I will meditate or I will uh, brush my teeth. If I really feel like I'm not having a good day, at least I'm putting in three things. Mm -hmm. But now that I have these three things in there and that habit is now absolutely cemented, I can't not do that. Um, what has happened is now I'm able to finish at least three things and my brain kicks, it moves, it's, it, the mode it works in completely shifts. Normally, I'm making all of these decisions all day that just destroy my willpower reserves. Do I want to do this activity or do I want to do that activity? Do I want to research or do I want to write? Or do I want to respond to emails? There's just so many things we could be doing at the at the same time that we never have that singular focus that makes us be able to do something powerful. Now that we have these, now that I have this bet, I have three things that I have to do, with the exception of everything else in my life. And if anybody says, "Hey, I need you to do something else," I say, "No, nah, man, I can't. I have a bet. If I don't do that, I have to pay hundred bucks." 
And that is really, 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 really powerful. So what I'm saying is that if you want to get yourself to do something, I'd highly recommend you start off by testing it out for one day, something that's just been on your plate, saying and finding a friend, a wife, a husband, whatever, and saying, uh, I will do this action by tonight or tomorrow, and if I don't, I will pay you or the charity $100 and see what happens. Just see what happens and, and, and monitor your brain. Think about how you think about the action because you'll notice that as soon as you make that decision, as soon as that decision is said out loud and, 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 and fixed, your brain completely disengages this like questioning mode. The, the, the prefrontal cortex just dissipates and your basal ganglia says, fuck, I got to do this. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I Sometimes I'll make little bets with myself, but they don't involve money. But I'll say to myself on a Monday, if you don't go to the gym today, you're not allowed to go to the gym for the rest of the week. Mm. And that will scare me to the point where I'm like, no, 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 but I, I want to go do yoga on Wednesday and I want to go, you know, take a walk with my friend on Thursday. And so I'll make a bet with myself on Monday that if I don't go to the gym on Monday, that I'm not allowed to do anything else for the rest of the week. And that motivates me enough to get going. That works for you, Stephanie, because you have this gym uh, habit built in already. Um, uh, that would not work for you if it was the beginning of habit formation where you say, like, I will go to the gym today on January 1st or else I won't go for the rest of the year. That would be a recipe for disaster. <laughs> but um, the act of you already having this habit built in, you're saying it yourself, it requires more willpower for you to not go to the gym at least a couple times a week than for you to go to the gym, which means that you formed this habit where you just find yourself at the gym a lot of the time. That's awesome. And so you just said earlier that you find that this bet uh, mechanism works better with men than it does with women. So what have you seen here? No. Um, okay. All right. My, my experience with it with women is that it works, but women feel like it won't work. Oh, really? Um, women are like, no, I'm not motivated by that. I'd rather like win, like have positive reinforcement and support. And I'm like, maybe, but this will actually work. And when they actually commit to it, it works. So there's just, uh, I had a, an amazing call with, uh, Nisha Moodley. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were talking about the difference between men and women and behavior change. And she was saying some really interesting things to me about um, the way that men and women make behavior change uh, is it, it was completely foreign to me. And we had a really good call. Um, again, I don't want to generalize here. I like to think of this more as uh, Myers-Briggs style feelers versus thinkers mentality more than women versus men. Mm -hmm. That said, men are more, more often thinkers and women are more often feelers. So for right now, I'm just going to generalize and say men and women. Um, but please don't sue. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's fine. <laughs> uh, but what I'm getting at is this: it's that men tend to um, men tend to experiment. We say, okay, I want to get this result. Therefore, I will test X. If X doesn't work, I will test Y. Then I will test Z. Uh, women, on the other hand, will have to have things feel right. Things have to just feel right. I I, I asked. I drilled down. I was like, what the hell does that mean? I could not understand what Nisha was saying. And she said to me, it's this. There's two ways for what feeling right might mean or might not mean. It could be just women's intuition or it could be self-destructive like behavior or just like a reasoning like, uh, like I don't want to do this, therefore it won't feel right. Part of her job as a coach was to identify whether it was this intuition feeling or whether it was this self-destructive behavior feeling. Mm -hmm. But assuming it's intuition, women shouldn't 
feel bad about not wanting to do the things that don't feel right, but they simply just need to add on this experimentation of trying to find the thing that does feel right. They shouldn't feel bad about it being wrong. The second thing she said is that women tend to make their decisions based on an outwardly focused uh, reasoning. So it's, it's like uh, they feel selfish for going to the gym because they aren't spending that time with their kids. They feel selfish for taking care of themselves because instead they should have spent that time doing their report for their boss or doing whatever for whoever. And the irony of this is that it's completely backwards. It's like uh, it's like the the sharpening the saw thing with with uh, Abraham Lincoln. It's like if you, if you don't take care of yourself, the quality of the work you produce will never be that high. So what Nisha was saying to me, and I think it, it makes a lot of sense, is that. For women who have this feeling where they want to go to the gym, but one of those things that pops in their head that they hear themselves say is, oh, but if I do this, then it will hurt. Why? Or I should be doing this for somebody else uh, before I do this. If those are the kind of thoughts that sometimes pop up in your head when you're trying to do something good for yourself, remember that it actually benefits them when you do that action that if you are in better shape and healthier, you will be happier and better able to take care of your child. If you are, if you are able to be able to focus and meditate, you're able to, to do your report better and get it done you know, on time. Those, like, it's, it's about identifying that the end will justify the means to some extent. Right, right. That is so fascinating. So the last tip you have is how to break bad habits or breaking bad habits. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was actually a totally different uh, tangent. Um, it's a little bit difficult to break bad habits. Uh, it's not just a little bit difficult. In fact, it's really, really hard to break bad habits. Um, if you read the literature, what uh, and like books like The Power of Habit um, or Art and Mind blogs, almost always you'll see people saying that the only way to change a bad habit is to substitute the action. So, like, if you used to get up, like, so you have a trigger that says it's habit time. So you say, all right, my trigger is telling me to get a cookie, but now I'm going to notice that trigger is asking me to get a cookie and I'll substitute it with two push-ups or walk, taking a walk or something. Um, that's what the habit literature says you should do. There is one technique that's been proven to help break bad habits and that's Pavlovian conditioning. That is uh, obviously where the name Pavlov comes from. And what it is is it's associating a stimulus with a bad action. So let's take, for example, uh, let's say, for example, going on Facebook. Facebook is one of the purest examples of, oh, I just found myself there. Yeah. I sit down on my laptop, and as soon as it's open, I control T, F, enter. Facebook is open, and I'm there. I didn't even mean that to happen. But as mm. soon as I get there, I see a red dot. I click that red dot, and now I'm chatting to somebody, and I'm having a great social interaction. My, my, my dopamine receptors are firing. I feel like I'm having social inter interaction and that habit is strengthening in the brain each time. Facebook is using the same habit formation protocol that I use to go to the gym. They're using it against us to get us addicted to their product. Nothing wrong with that. It, that that's how everything works. But um, the trick is how can we break it? Imagine this. Imagine you were told, Stephanie, that every single time you opened up a new tab and went to Facebook, your mother would be shot in the head. Oh. You, probably, you probably wouldn't go. To Facebook, right? There's right. a disincentive there. What if you were told that every time you open up a new tab, you were charged $4? You probably would start to think about that, right? Right. So what we've been doing with Pavlock is by associating stimuli that you don't want with the action of opening the tabs that you don't want. 
or with the action of um, you know biting the nails or smoking the cigarettes or whatever. If we can associate those two at the same time, we can break that bad habit way rapidly. In fact, super rapidly. It's really fast, like in days, days. So here's basically what I've been doing. This is not. Uh, this is a tough tip for people to use um, because. Well, I guess like it's just tough without the technology, but now the technology is finally coming around. Basically, long story short, every time I, I, have, I have an addiction to tabs and Facebook, so I open up like 20 tabs and I open up Facebook for too long. My wristband, Pavlock, it vibrates, beeps, and shocks whenever I want it to. I can, it's got an open API, so we can, I can customize it for myself. And I customized it for myself. So uh, I have one iteration that basically every time I open up 10 tabs, it vibrates. If I open up 11 tabs, it beeps. If I open up 12 tabs, it shocks me. What, uh, the same thing with Facebook. If I've been on Facebook for more than 15 minutes, it will uh, vibrate every minute. If I've been on it for more than 20 minutes, it will beep every minute. And if I've been on it for more than 25 minutes, it will shock me every minute. Oh. And yeah, exactly, right? And so what has happened though, it's it's not like, like, like you gasp in the same way that everybody gasps about the word shock. I don't understand. But uh, <laughs> what I... <laughs> What I've noticed though is that at, I, I've gotten to this point where as soon as I feel the vibration, I close four taps, right? I just go, it reminds me to go back. I don't want to see that shot. Again, I don't try to close those tabs. I just find myself closing those tabs. Mm. In the same way that as soon as the vibration hits the first or second time from being on Facebook, I close Facebook. I don't try to, I just don't desire to anymore. But what's really interesting is the days I take off the wristband because it lasts. I still don't go to Facebook. In fact, I go to Facebook probably one-eighth as much as I used to go. I open up far fewer tabs than I used to. When I, like obviously if I remove it for a long time, for a few days, a week or two, the habit will start to re-strengthen itself. But I put the wristband on again for a day or two and it goes away. So the beauty of it is you being able to add a disincentive to the bad things you don't want to do are really powerful for helping you break those bad habits. Wow. So <clears throat> when when we have a habit that we want to break and we don't have our Pavlock bracelet yet, what do you mm -hmm. recommend? Uh, I mean, it's a tough one. It depends on the habit for sure. There's some that are really hard. There's some that are really easy. Uh, give me an example and I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through it. So say, say biting nails. What do I yeah. do if I bite my nails? So biting nails has uh, is a hard one and it's actually like it's really hard. Um, so there's that nail polish, you know, that uh, – that lets you, uh, that is exactly kind of the same thing, the negative stimulus. What it's really doing is it's adding awareness. It's when you bite your nails, you, you just find yourself biting your nails and suddenly you bite it and there's that bad tasting nail polish and you look at it and you're like, oh, I'm biting my nails right now, therefore I shouldn't bite my nails. What, uh, I'm sure you've, you're familiar with like the, the rubber band technique yeah. where you like, uh, that's essentially a Pavlog. Um, it would be like the right way I believe, I would conjecture to uh, breaking the bad habit of biting your nails would be to start off by adding the, um, I would start off by uh, adding the nail polish and the rubber band. And every time I started to bite my nails, flick the rubber nail, flick the rubber band. And in fact, you can do this on purpose. Self-administered, self-planned, 15 minutes a day, Bite your nails and hit yourself with the rubber band. Bite your nails, hit yourself with the rubber band. Bite yourself, hit yourself with the rubber band for like five to ten minutes or so a day. And then throughout the day as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, you will find, I conjecture, that you will break that habit a lot faster than if you don't. Um, the second thing that I wanted to bring up with regards to biting nails was 
executive function, so cognitive therapy. Essentially, meditate. If you meditate, all uh, meditation is one of those keystone habits that naturally makes everything else better in your life. Um, and what meditation does is it really trains your prefrontal cortex to like, which is your human brain, to be more active throughout the whole day. So if you start to train yourself to meditate and, and there's a very easy technique, it's called, uh, there's an app called Headspace, highly recommended. Um, if you train yourself to just meditate for 10 minutes a day, you will naturally be better at identifying when you're doing the actions you don't want to do. You're essentially just more aware throughout the day. And if you add on to that awareness with the nail polish and add on to that nail polish with the rubber band, together you might be able to break that addiction quickly. Wow, that's really interesting. So we always like to ask our guests for a book recommendation, something that you think will impact our companies and our businesses. What book do you recommend our community to read? Willpower by Professor Ballmeister. Uh, Willpower blew my mind. I actually interviewed the professor a few days ago. Um, and he's very nice, very interesting man. And he basically discovered that willpower is a muscle, that willpower is expended every time you make a decision. And that means that if you are in the morning deciding if you want to have a bagel or a banana or a cookie or a croissant, you're much more likely in the evening to yell at your wife or to uh, eat uh, bad food then. Because every decision you make throughout the day, it comes from a single willpower reserve and can be expended. But at the end, in the evening, there's far less left. So uh, that book really changed the way that I looked at willpower. It added a lot. It gave me a lot of the research that I used to identify my own traits and habits. I highly recommend it. And you're saying with willpower there that at the end of the day, our willpower reserves are are pretty much depleted. So earlier in the day, if we can automate more with creating good habits and being productive, by the end of the day, we should have a little more willpower to work with. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the the hard things you want to do, the habits you're trying to form, try to form them in the morning. Like building that morning routine, for example, um, is really, 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 really powerful because you're just going to – I mean I'm sure you know this better than anybody. If you're awake early in the morning, you're just able to do stuff. And you, There's fewer distractions, but you just have better cognitive capacity in the morning regardless of if you're a night owl or an early bird. It's about the uh, – it's that sleep regenerates willpower. Also, so does glucose, but that's a, that's a whole side story. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's actually, I'll, I'll tell it really quickly. It's really interesting. There was a study that they did where they looked at, um, basically, they, they asked people to go through this decision fatigue process. So if you imagine, for example, that you are in a mock wedding reception plan, and so a researcher asks you, hey, uh, I'm sorry, let me start, let me start it off again. Um, what what the what would happen is that the researcher would ask a group of people, would you prefer one hundred dollars today, like a check for a hundred bucks dated today, or a check for two hundred bucks dated uh, in thirty days from today? And the majority of participants would say, I would like a two hundred dollar check dated for a month from today. That just makes more sense, um, unless they were suffering from decision fatigue. And in this situation, they would be asked in a mock wedding example, for example, they'd say like, would you prefer red balloons or green balloons? Do you prefer red flowers or blue flowers? Do you prefer you know, this or that? And eventually they'll say, do you want $100 today or $200 tomorrow? And they'll just be like, oh, just give me $100 today, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and this would be consistently true except for the third group who had to suffer exactly the same thing. They had the decision fatigue 
But right before they were asked that question, they were given a glass of Coca-Cola. <laughs> and Coca-Cola contains glucose. Glucose reinvigorates your willpower reserves for a temporary amount of time. So they would have the, they would have the Coca-Cola and then they would be asked the question and they would be like, yeah, of course, I'm not stupid. I'll take 200 bucks in a month from tomorrow. And then they're, like after the experiment was over, their glucose would spike down and they'd be all mad and all tired and stuff. So even in the experiment, they say don't use Coca-Cola as a means to improve your glucose or your willpower reserves. It was just for experimental purposes. But um, what I'm getting at is there's a lot of interesting uh, psychology and physiology and biology behind willpower habits and habit change. And because you haven't been successful at something doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you don't have willpower. It doesn't mean you're not strong. It just means that you haven't learned how to use your willpower. And I think that the book Willpower will be really effective for people in that situation. That's great. That's really awesome. So we like to end our um, interviews by asking our guests to challenge our community to do something today that will really impact their lives or um, you know change the way they think. So what is your challenge for our entrepreneurs? Sure. Um, I actually have a really good one. Um, well, okay, this is going to sound salesy, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> if you go over to pavlock.com, uh, there's an ebook section. If you click on any of the little, um, at the bottom of the page, it says get the habit change ebook. If you download that ebook and read it, it's going to tell you exactly how to change habits. Everything I'm talking about, but written out with, you know, pictures and stuff. Once you understand this habit model, understand the, uh, the how willpower works, and um, and it's summarized pretty effectively in this book, I would love it if you would take a action you want to do, just one single one, and tell your husband or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, I will do this. I, I give them fifty dollars. Just give them fifty dollars. Give them a check or cash, and say only give this back to me if I achieve my goal today. Find out what happens. Just watch your brain. It's really interesting. <laughs> okay. Will do. I'll do that myself. Well, thank you, Manish. That was so much hey, fun well, to what, talk well, what are you going to do? What <laughs> What's am I going <laughs> to I'll be your bad referee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do? Not – the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is turn on the TV to watch the news. Mm-hmm. That's I, – I hate that I do that, but I, I don't even realize I do it until – I'm making my coffee and I hear the TV. So that's what I, I want to break. So start off with uh, positive action. So instead of um, turning on my TV in the morning, first thing, I will. Just go make my coffee. Perfect. You will make your coffee tomorrow before you turn on your TV. Yes. Done. Or else, what's your penalty? 50, 50 bucks. 50 to... bucks to Manish. Done. It's on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's, my, that's my challenge. Awesome. Well, it's always so much fun talking to you, and um, I'm really excited about Pavlock. How can people find out more about Pavlock, by the way? You can head over to pavlock.com. I believe, depending on when this interview goes live, uh, it'll probably be up for sale. I mean, it is for sale right now. So if you go to pavlock.com, you'll be able to find the buy button, and um, we'll be doing a big Indiegogo launch campaign in September, October. Um, So you should check that out right away. P-A-V-L-O-K, or just Google shocking wristband. Awesome. (laughs) Well, thanks so much, Manish. You're so awesome. And uh, we we are excited for you and we'll be uh, asking you to come back soon. Great. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for joining me today on the Top 3 Podcast. If you're looking to start a business, come on over to chic-ceo.com to get all of the information you need to get moving. If you're looking to grow your existing business, you aren't quite ready for a business coach, but you know you need some higher level business strategy, the Chic Elite program is a perfect fit. So head on over to chic-ceo.com to check out all the resources and for the show notes to today's episode.